Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text for this, the first of our midweek Advent services, our sermon text is from the book of Genesis, from the first reading you heard tonight. The book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, Moses writes, The Lord said to Abram, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So far our text. Dear friends, it's said that every birth is a miracle. As a proud father, and blessed to be one, perhaps I can speak for us all in saying it's true, isn't it? It's true. Each and every time the Lord delivers safely into this world that precious little package so full of potential promise and pain. Every time it's a phenomenon, each and every time that he vouches that little unborn one safe over every obstacle that he could encounter and through every danger and trouble that she could face in those first nine months, each and every time it's against the odds. Each time God works everything together that biologically must work rightly together in order for a father and a mother and a child to be together as a family each and every time. It is indeed a veritable miracle. And I suppose it's easy for us to lose the wonderment of it all when we're members of, of such a populous and such a fast-growing society. Our country's population is exploding exponentially. It's exploding, growing by leaps and bounds with recent births in the last months stretching into last year. The population of our nation topped 300 million citizens. And the nativity rate throughout the world is so rapid that during the time that we're gathered here this evening, over 14,700 new little precious packages will be delivered into the world. That's four every second. It's mind-boggling. Let's not let the magnitude of them undo for us the miracle of them. Because every birth indeed is a miracle. And while it's true that every birth is a miracle, there have been three that have been a bit more miraculous. These three have been recorded for us in Holy Writ. And these three will serve as guideposts to direct our meditation and contemplation this Advent season. We consider in these weeks the promise of old Abraham that he with wife Sarah, a truly geriatric pair, that they would bear offspring through whom the whole world would be blessed. And we'll consider also the unlikely child of the old temple priest Zechariah and his barren wife, Elizabeth, a special child who was unique in most every way, whose name would be handpicked by God whose name would be called John. And we consider finally the impossible made possible. A young virgin named Mary with child. These three births, they're three that make all the other births seem ordinary. In this season, by way of these three special arrivals, we reflect on our salvation come to us. And so this year we consider that Advent truly can be a baby story. 
Tonight, we consider the unlikely family, the improbable family of Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Now, that's a title that he himself would have well questioned since at the ripe old age of 75, that's where we met him in our text for today. The ripe old age of 75, he's still childless. Still. It wasn't that he didn't want a child. It wasn't any sort of family planning. It was God's planning. His wife Sarai, Scripture tells us, Sarai was barren. Now that's a rather harsh sounding word, barren, but it paints for us a word that paints for us a picture of what was capable of growing within her womb. Incapable she was of conceiving, a sad reality. A sad result of no particular sin of hers, but simply the result of the destructive nature of sin in general, which curses all of us in one damaging and disheartening way or another. Abram and his wife, though they needed no one to remind them what our condition of sin can do to us, their empty and their childless house, that was daily reminder enough. Neither did Abram or Sarai need any fertility specialist to know that the odds were certainly stacked against them. Anyone could see that Abram's unlikely age was the first strike against them. And Sarai, she wasn't many years behind. Sarai's unproductive womb was certainly another strike against them. And their unsuccessful record together in the endeavor, that was at least the third strike against these two. Who perhaps by this time likely had given up hoping against hope. And then, and then the Lord appears to Abram and says what we heard in our text. He says the improbable. And he says the unlikely. He says, Abram, I will make of you a great nation. And again he appeared to him and he said to your descendants, Abram, literally in the Hebrew to your seed, I will give this land. And we heard also tonight the Lord appears to him again and he says to him, Abram, one who will come from your own body, he shall be your heir. For your descendants shall be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Pictured so well on your bulletin cover tonight, he said, Abram, your descendants shall be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Dear promises. Dear promises, I'm sure, to this old man who wanted desperately to be the old man of a child. But there sometimes comes the time when hope is snuffed out by doubt. And so by the time that God visits Abram once again and promises him a son by Sarai, even changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of a great and mighty nation, Scripture tells us that at that Abram, he fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, who's ninety years old, bear a child? And when God reaffirmed his promise to Abraham later that year, Sarah, listening nearby, she laughed in her heart too. She laughed in her heart too. Would we? We well might. For some things just can't be. And if we're not laughing inside at God's promises, sometimes it's Abraham's, Abram's doubt that we harbor, isn't it? Sometimes it's doubt that directs our days when, for instance, we see the weeks go by. 
with no sign of, of improvement in our ailing health or that of a loved one. No sign of improvement. In fact, we see things only getting worse. We perhaps see the years pass before us with no brighter hope for companionship anywhere, it seems, on the horizon. And sometimes we find ourselves on those Mount Moriahs of life, like Papa Abraham, having to sacrifice those Isaacs of life that are so dear and so precious to us and not knowing exactly why God requires it of us. Sometimes, like Abraham and, and Sarah, sometimes we doubt that God will do what he promises to do. At 90 years old, very possibly older than any one of us here tonight, at 90 years old, Sarah heard the first cries of her newborn son. And with his son's cry, Abraham's name was coming true. God turned Abraham's curse into a blessing. But it was a blessing so far more reaching than his baby boy. You see, there in that newborn boy, the aged eyes of that old man Abraham saw the promise fulfilled. Not only the promise of Abraham, but in his miracle child Isaac, he saw the promise of all. The promise of a Savior from our sin and all of its damaging and all of its deadly effects. A Savior who was to come. Isaac was not the Savior. We heard that Savior, Abraham's distant son, his seed, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In our gospel reading tonight, we heard him when he said to the Jews, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now Abraham knew few of the particulars that we knew, that we know, where the Christ was to be born, exactly to whom the Christ was to be born. In the fullness of God's time, all of these things would be revealed. But while Abraham didn't know where and Abraham didn't know to whom the Christ would be born, he knew well for whom this Christ would be born. St. Paul writes this, that the gospel was preached to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That blessing was to be born for him. It was to be born for him, for Abraham, and by God's grace, Abraham believed it. He rejoiced to see that day, and thousands of years before that day, by faith he saw it and was glad. Today, 2007 A.D., we are about as far removed in years from the cradle and the cross as Abraham was in his day. We, too, in faith rejoice in Christ's day. We rejoice because we know that the promise of Abraham is indeed the promise of us all. Christ Jesus came to turn human curse into heavenly blessing. And this he accomplished, not in his cradle, not his manger, but he did hanging upon his cross. Scripture promises this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Scripture then goes on to say a few verses later, This was done so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise like he did, through faith, faith in a Savior. Friends, Advent is a season of self-reflection, of penitent self-reflection. It's a season also of hope. The scripture says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And so in this Advent season, we wait in faithful hope. We wait in faithful hope for that time when God will, as he promised, do away forever with every tear of barrenness and every tear of sickness and sadness, every tear of loneliness, every tear shed at sin's destruction. In confident and patient faith, we wait for our Lord to fulfill all of those promises to us. And even as our God has proven himself true to his word time and again, He'll prove himself true once more. Of course, as it was with Abraham, it will be in God's good time. But as it was with Abraham, it will be. It will be. And all of these hoped-for blessings that the cross of Christ has secured and that your baptism has sealed, all of these too, they will materialize for you. And they'll become to us as tangible as tangible as Isaac in the arms of his grateful father, Abraham. The promise of Abraham. He's our promise. And he's our blessing too. In his holy name, amen.